next and last stop is Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. lot of Nets podcasts. I mean, Oof. the only Net fans you know, the only what, the only Nets fans you know, at least they've got some self-aware. I mean, come on, Look man. Where are these guys? Welcome back to the only Net fans you know podcast. I'm Peter. Welcome to a special episode of the podcast. Charlie is still on vacation. And uh, I'm going to be very honest for, for this episode. I was going on X or Twitter, whatever you call it, defending Spencer Dinwiddie like I usually do. And uh, I came across this account, Big Cam Thomas fan, and uh, he was making these very articulate arguments, and I saw that we kind of butt heads on several topics, and I feel like this would be a great kind of debate between Spencer Dinwiddie starting or not starting, Cam Thomas starting or not starting, and. Uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm excited for this. Welcome to the show, Cipher. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, happy to be here and happy to talk some nets. I found out us talking before the episode that you're uh, you're active in Nets Kingdom community. I uh, was on YouTube and I would get a recommend. I got a recommendation from the algorithm, and it was a Nets Kingdom stream. And so you know, after games, I would have this desire to talk about nets and you know hear other fans' opinion. So I'd go in you know, just participate in the chat. And then just over time, I was a familiar enough base where they started to recognize me. And eventually, you know, I started to have a bit of a relationship with those guys, became one of their uh, moderators. And, you know, uh, I pop into their streams every now and then, and I write some articles for them. Guys, check out his article. I'm going to give him another plug at the end of the episode. But right now you could find them at... It's a, at a S-H-A-N underscore Y-U-G-A. I'm going to start with Spencer Dinwiddie, 30 years old, 6'5", came back in the Kyrie Irving deal. He's making $20 million this year. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Last year, he played 79 games, 34 minutes per game, 17 points, 43% from the field, 36% from three, three rebounds, six assists. Cam Thomas, 22 years old, 6'4", Nets drafted him in the 21 draft, round one, pick 27. He has a, a I think it's a team option for 2.2 million and then four. Last year he played in 57 games, only 16 minutes per game, 10 points, 44% from the field, 38% from three, one rebound, one assist. I think we both agree with uh, the notion that Cam Thomas should be playing a lot more than he had last year. What's your take on Spencer Dinwiddie? So last season, I thought when he came to Brooklyn, I valued his playmaking a lot because we needed it desperately. You know, I don't think, uh, I don't believe in empty stats per se. I believe every player has positives and negatives. And because we needed playmaking so desperately, you know, those, those assists were very important. I think the problem with Dinwiddie is, I think he's a good player and he has like a valuable skill set. It's just, he really needs to be put in a very specific role and you can't give him too much because then you deal with his negatives. And I think those negatives are very harsh 
on his overall, you know, ability as a player. I think you're one thousand percent wrong on that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. I don't think you could take the thirty game stretch or whatever game stretch it was last year. He's the only ball handler. At times we had Royce O'Neal as the backup point guard. He was hand not maybe not backup point guard, but he was like initiating the offense. Like that should not be for a team that's gonna make the playoffs. That is insane. He didn't shoot well. I could get, you know, I can get behind that. I understand that. I can't defend that. Um, I think the kind of the passing narrative is insane. I think that's been definitely kind of misused, considering that his assist rates were crazy. And then they're complaining, oh, why is he doing so many ISOs? How come that's happening? How come the coach isn't stopping it? I agree with his passing. Like that's something I'm never going to take away. I think he's a fantastic passer, you know, a fantastic assist to turn over ratio throughout his entire career. I mean, uh, post-All-Star, or not All-Star, when he was traded here, he averaged 9.1 assists and only 2.1 turnovers. Very, very excellent assist to turnover ratio. And throughout his whole career, you know, 5.3 assists and 1.7 turnovers. You know, that's great. It's more so, the problem isn't really his assists. It's just everything else that comes with, with it. And with his isolations, I don't have a problem with Dinwiddie's isolation numbers because they're excellent. I keep looking at Dinwiddie, and I think if he's so good at isolations, then why doesn't it translate to team success? And I'm not basing this off of the you know 26 games he played for us, you know when he got traded here. You know these numbers were true, and I'm looking at his 19-20 season. He his numbers were similar. You know the same similar habits where. He would average a lot of assists. He would average a lot of points, but his overall efficiency was not that great. You know, nineteen twenty, he averaged uh, twenty point six points, six point eight assists, forty two percent from the field, thirty one percent from three, seventy eight from from the free throw line, and so that efficiency isn't going to cut it. And so I was taking a look at Dinwiddie's numbers, his deeper numbers, and catch and shoot three point percentage. I believe his whole career he shoots around thirty seven percent from catch and shoot which is great, but the problem is every year of his career, with the exception of uh, 2021, where he only played three games, he's attempted more pull-up threes than he has catch-and-shoot threes. And his pull-up three-point percentage is much worse. I believe for his whole career, he shoots a little over 30% on pull-ups, which is why his overall three-point percentage is just really bad. Man, I am so happy you said that, because you just made my argument for me. You're correct with the catch-and-shoot, and the pull-up threes, yeah, it's you're right, 100% sure it's an issue. But this is why he's not going to be the point guard anymore. Now we could put him in the corners where he's been tremendous his career. In Dallas, 25% of the shots he took were catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He had 42% of them. And then he actually hit 56% of his corner threes, of his catch-and-shoot corner threes. In Brooklyn, he had a handle the ball more, right? He's initiating the offense. In Brooklyn, 13% of his shots were catch-and-shoot threes. And if we have Ben Simmons now handling the ball, I think we're going to see a lot more of Spencer Dinwiddie getting not only these catch-and-shoot shots, but these maybe these corner threes. In Dallas, I think he knocked down 71% of, of his left corner threes. Well, why not have him in the corner? The thing is, is that the math, yeah, if Spencer Dinwiddie took catch-and-shoot threes on that rate, then 
I would agree. But here's the thing, though, with Spencer, and this is something that I've kind of had to accept. And here's the thing, though. I really like the archetype Spencer Dinwiddie is. Tall point guard, very athletic. You know, he's 6'5", 6'8", wingspan. I believe he has a 40-inch vertical, could finish at the rim, and he is a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. But the problem is his entire career, with the exception of uh, the year he was hurt, you know, three games, uh, he's always taken more pull-up threes than he has catch-and-shoot threes. And at this stage of his career, he's 30 years old. Like, it's very difficult for someone like him at his age, after this many years in the but league, to change that tendency. Dallas, he benefited heavily from Luka Doncic's scoring gravity, like heavily. And in during the uh, playoff run, I believe it was the 22 playoff run where they made the conference finals, but his role was very, much more limited. And I'm not saying he can't have a role on this team. You know, I think he could definitely have a very prominent bench role. But this is where I think Cam Thomas would be better as a starter. Because with the starting lineup of uh, Ben Simmons, CJ, Mikhail Bridges, and then Cam, then uh, Claxton, that lineup doesn't have that much shot creation in addition to the off-ball spacing. And so having someone like Cam Thomas there, who, you know, has shown flashes, now he hasn't, he doesn't have as large of a sample size as, say, Spencer Dinwiddie, but I absolutely think it's worth the risk of starting him because his numbers when he gets opportunity are absurd. So last year is the entire season. He shot 41% on catch-and-shoot threes. His overall three-point percentage was 38%. And his percentages on pull-up threes, he shot 37% on pull-up threes. And so I think that's the difference where he has the ability to take those catch-and-shoot shots and create for himself and take the difficult shots. How is this, how is this going to work with Cam Thomas having the ball in his hands? You just, you just made the point about Spencer Dinwiddie and the pull-up threes him, you know, changing his game. Cam Thomas only took 14 corner threes last year. It's th- so it's not like his game is, uh, you know, around used around gravity and, and whatnot. He's having the ball, and it's either he puts up a three or he drives. He's not that efficient when driving to the hoop. Spencer Dinwiddie's a lot more efficient. The stats, so with Cam Thomas, and I know this is a small sample size, but in the 15 games where Cam Thomas played at least 25 minutes or more last season, he averaged 26.1 points, 3.1 rebounds, and then 2.6 assists, 48% from the field, 50% from three, 90% from the free throw line. Those are star numbers. And I know that those games, you know, either a lot of the players were injured and he was just thrown out there. You know, I believe that, hey, he could be inserted into the starting lineup. You know, I believe Cam Thomas can operate in the half court off ball. You know, he has the catch and shoot numbers. It's just we got to put it together. And I want to see a sample size at the start of the season where let's see if he could perform on a team level. So paint me a picture right now, okay? Ben is the point guard. Cam is the shooting guard. Who, like, who's in the corners? What's Claxton doing? Should, you know, paint, paint the, a picture of the offense for everybody. All right, so Ben is bringing up the ball. I, you know, I assume yeah. he bring up the well. He is bringing up the ball. Yeah, I see Claxton in the dunker spot by the rim. You know, ready for you know dishes for Ben Simmons if you were to drive to the rim. Uh, Johnson and then Bridges. I see in the corners, and I see uh, Thomas on like the upper wing. Okay, this is what I see. I'm going to give you two pictures. This is the first one uh, with Camp Thomas. Okay. 
what I think is wrong with your, your picture, quote unquote picture is what's going to happen when Ben's man sags, when you're in the half court offense and, and, and you're going to have that issue of the guy kind of dropping by, like we saw last year, waiting by, by the free throw line, they're going to give Ben the space and it kind of kills the gravity for everybody else. Now, this is my picture with, with Spence. Okay. I have an offense that Ben could take it up or Spence could take it up. And I guess you could, you know, I guess you could say Cam could take it up also, but I don't think he's as good as a ball handler. And like you said, not good as a playmaker as Spence. So I have two point guards that could take it up. Maybe uh, Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson, maybe setting a pick. I have Spence in a corner. I could have Claxton being the guy that sets the pick and having maybe Bridges cut. Bridges plays a little bit more off the ball. So that's, I think my offense kind of provides more options. In that situation where, you know, they sag off Ben Simmons, that's more of a problem with the fact that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot and that we are running two non-shooters. The pain is very much clogged because we have Claxton and then Simmons. And then, yeah, theoretically speaking, those guys can set picks and then there could be a bunch of like people running around. But that offense, though, in some stretches, it could work. But because everyone has to move around so much in order to compensate for the lack of shooting, I don't see it being sustainable long term. And with Ben Simmons, he doesn't really have, unlike Claxton, he doesn't really have that much off-ball movement regarding, because he, he gets head picks and screens, and he's decent at it, but he doesn't really roll to the rim as much as he should. And so if, I don't know, if he could do that more consistently, then yeah, this offense could work, and I think it can work in stretches, but long-term overall it just everyone has to move so much in order to compensate for the lack of shooting and, you know that's a it's a bit off topic but i think that's going to be a big problem we're going to run into in, in during the regular season with running those two guys as, in the starting yeah, lineup I, so much. I think that's a fair topic that we could you know get into honestly i like to keep stuff kind of level-headed i kind of see clax hitting 30 percent from three and i feel like if he could hit 30 percent from three you could have so many options if he doesn't hit 30% from three, yeah, it, it might be clogged. It really might be clogged. Yeah, I mean, that it, it's going to be a problem regardless of Dinwiddie or Cam Thomas. It's something we always are going to have to worry about. I have the games that he put up the 40 points. Obviously, he's not going to be putting up 40 points every night. But, you know, he's shooting 29 shots, 23 shots with a usage rate of 27% on a regular night. Well, what, what, is the, what is a realistic amount of shots you would say? So I like to see around 16 shots. And I think that's, you know, a good balance because between, you know, Bridges, you know, with Thomas, because I think Thomas offensively could be the second option on this team. And, you know, going off with uh, Dinwiddie, I asked myself, would Spencer Dinwiddie, if we give him 16 shots, he could average like, what, 20, 21 on decent efficiency? Whereas with Cam Thomas, if he takes 16 shots, I could see him averaging 25 on good efficiency and good shot creation and off-ball stuff. It really is just what I see, the ceiling, you know. what What's the best scenario? Or not scenario, but what's the ceiling of these players? You kind of, I was going to kind of get you on something, but you kind of reversed it on me by admitting you'd like to see him as the second option. Because 16 shots a game would be the second highest on the team. We have Mikkel Bridges putting up 18, CJ 12, Clack 7, Dinwiddie 13. But this is my issue. If you're taking Cam Thomas, giving him 16 shots a game, 
you're taking shots away from these other guys. And you like you were right with the with the efficiency, even on his in his big games. The 43 point against Phoenix, he put up 23 shots. He was 11 for 23, but only two other nets had 10, 10 shots or more. Claxton had 11, TJ Warren had 10. So by putting that in, you're putting in someone who's going to be probably taking shots away from these other guys, one. And two, when he's not shooting, he's not really creating. And I think that's a major issue. So, yeah, regarding, I don't have a problem with Cam Thomas taking away shots, per se, because the offense right now isn't good enough. Where the players we have right now taking those shots, it just isn't working. You know, last uh, last year, post-trade deadline, or uh, post-All-Star break, we were the 24th best offense in the NBA. And just being able to insert someone who, in theory, could average 25 points per game on that efficiency, you know, it would just change everything. And, you know, I know we gave Cam Johnson, you know, a pretty decent, you know, contract. But, you know, that's, you know, that's irrelevant, you know, the amount of money he's making. And same thing with Bridges. It just, we got to figure out, hey, who who is the best for the role? And you know, with Johnson, I think he would be more comfortable as a third option, you know, and focusing on defense. And uh, going back to the games, the the forty point games. So that Phoenix Suns game, yeah, not many players took that many shots in that game, uh, aside from Thomas. But that was more so because we didn't really have any but one else who could shot create that well. Edmund Sumner, you know, he was a he he only played sixteen minutes during that Suns game. Uh, those two games, the Wizards game, the Clippers game. You know, he averaged 18 shots per game and actually put up 26 points per game. Which, you know, if Edmund Sumner could average 26 next to Cam Thomas averaging 40, other players can also flourish. You're correct with Sumner. Sumner, uh, for the Clippers game, put up 17 shots, but he was the only other net with more than 10 shots. In the Wizards game, he put up 19, and Patty put up 14. They were the only two nets with more than 10 field goal attempts. He's taken a lot of the offense, but... You could kind of you could kind of counteract that by saying, "Listen, there was nobody else there, and these are games that we needed him to shoot." And that's fair that you could say that. But what my issue is, I don't want to take the shots away from him. Let's just do it on the bench, where he could go and be free. Here's the thing, though: Does the starting lineup have enough scoring then? And I know with the bench, we could stagger minutes where we could have Cam with the with the bench guys or Mikhail with the bench guys. Or, Ken, or Johnson with the bench guys and mix in those minutes and stagger it out. But overall, with the starting five, you know, I want to see more scoring, more offense. And with the the whole 10 shots thing, I feel like that isn't really a Cam Thomas issue. I think that's a Nets offense issue. Because when Durant and Irving were here, I believe no one else, you know, averaged 10 shots per game. Because we got to figure out how to incorporate all these players and get a good shot distribution. And that's the benefit with Ben Simmons, where he would he would help with orchestrating the offense. But let me ask you this now. What is your ideal bench lineup? Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. point guard. Dinwiddie at shooting guard. Royce. Royce O'Neal small forward. Finney Smith. I guess Daron. I think we both agree Dennis Smith Jr. is the backup point guard. I'm, a, I'm very high on him, but that's, a, that's for a, another day. First issue. Dayron and Dennis Smith Jr. They don't the spacing. The, exactly. That's that. That's my issue with this. And if you look at if you look at these lineups, I feel like I'd love to have Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas using up twenty seven percent. You know, on that usage rate, let him let him go off with that lineup. There's going to be less spacing 
And his talent is, is good enough that I think can probably beat that. And listen, uh, maybe there's going to be some times that Simmons is going to be there. I know I asked for the bench lineup, but we're going to stagger Ben and spend sometimes. I'll add that into the hypothetical. So maybe there'll be a little bit more spacing. But man, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to see Cam Thomas just have free reign there? This is something I've noticed with Dinwiddie. And so I, I've been taking a look at his numbers, like a deeper look at his numbers. And I'm trying to figure out, this is a player who, in theory, should be very, very good. His catch and shoot numbers are good. His ISO numbers are good. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, why don't we win the games? You know, why do we keep losing despite Spencer Dewing having all these fantastic numbers? And so the theory I came up with after looking deeper, his, his efficiency with his dribbles. And so Spencer Dinwiddie in his 19-20 season, he shot overall, depending on the number of dribbles he has, when he has zero dribbles, he shoots 42% from the field. When he has one dribble, he shoots 34% from the field. When he has two dribbles, 39%, three to six dribbles, 42%, then seven plus dribbles, 43%. And so this is why Spencer Dinwiddie, despite having those good catch and shoot numbers and isolation numbers, that's why he's so inefficient overall. And it's because that middle game, you know, that in-between dribbles, he's just so inefficient, you know. And those shots, those are about half of the shots he takes between one and six dribbles. And so that's a problem, you know. And that's why Spencer Dinwiddie, despite having those high isolation numbers, because he has to dribble the ball so much to get going, his most efficient play requires him to have the ball too much. And I think it's to the detriment of this team. And Cam Thomas, again, because the sample size is so small, he has he's not as bad with that. Where he needs the ball that he needs to dribble the ball that much. Like those efficiency numbers, they're there. Okay, he has when he takes zero dribbles. And this is all of last season. Zero dribbles, forty-eight percent from the field. One dribble, fifty percent from the field. Two dribbles, forty-five percent from the field. Three to six dribbles, forty percent from the field, and then seven plus dribbles, forty-seven percent from the field. And, you know, that's just so much more balanced than Dinwiddie. And so I think that's the big difference here. Those in-between dribbles, those those one to six dribbles per game, it's just the efficiency that Cam Thomas has. It's just so much better than Dinwiddie. And that's why I believe, offensively speaking, in the starting lineup, I think it would be better overall if Cam Thomas is there. Uh, I thought it was interesting you mentioned the one to six dribbles because two things. One, he's the point guard. Of course he's going to be dribbling. And two, isn't his game the blow-by? How many dribbles did the average drive take? That's what I would say. I'm not going to get – that's too much into the weeds. We're not going to look into that right now. But that's how I, I would counteract that. And I have a couple of his stats. I know you, you said you kind of ruined me with this because I had a lot of passing stats, and you kind of fucked me over by, by kind of agreeing with me that, that he passed well. He was sixth on the nets with 60 fouls drawn – and 17 and ones, okay? That was only in 26 games, and that's a list with KD and Kyrie and these other guys. His drive percentage was 49%. Cam's was 45%. How many dribbles does it usually take for a drive for the average NBA player? But uh, I'll kind of put a pin on it for, for that point. So I got to start wrapping things up, but I feel like we can go for another hour. But why is it that Jacques Vaughn is not playing Cam Thomas? And last year, why was Spencer Dinwiddie given all this rope? I think we can go for another hour kind of going back and forth with these different stats and whatnot.
but I got to start wrapping this up. Uh, I thought he did a great job putting out the fire last year. But uh, why is Jock Vaughn not playing Cam Thomas when Spencer Dinwiddie was struggling? Why did they give him so much room? I understand the roster might have been a little tight, but but still, like I, I kind of feel like he was kind of left out there to die. Yeah, I think definitely. I think Dinwiddie is a good player. It's just we, man, we overused him so much. You know, when he came here, we, he averaged 35 minutes per game. And in the playoffs, he played almost 40 minutes per game. And, you know, I, maybe part of it is just nepotism because I know Vaughn and uh, Dinwiddie had a relationship, you know, back during the uh, Kenny Atkinson era. You know, and I don't know if there's something internal going on with Cam Thomas because I don't understand. He is, like, he had three straight 40-point games, the youngest ever in NBA history. You know, not Jordan not LeBron, not Kobe, Cam Thomas. And so the fact that they don't even want to try to introduce him, I don't I don't know. It's, it really does baffle me. Like, I don't get it. Are the Nets going to have over or under 37 wins? I think we can win over 37 games. You know, I think 40 games is fair, 41 games. All right, guys. I want to thank Cypher for coming through. You did your homework today. So thanks. Thanks for coming through. Is there anything you want to plug? Anyone you want to shout out? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, you know, I want to give a you know a shout out to my guys at Nets uh, Nets Kingdom. You know, uh, check out their YouTube channel. You know, they do post game streams, and uh, yeah, and I guess I would like to plug in my Twitter account, Shan underscore Yuga S H A N underscore Y U G A. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Where did they? Uh, where can they find your articles? Oh, try uh, my articles. They're on netskingdom.net. As always, you can check out my Twitter, at NetFansYouKnow. Check out the YouTube. I'm starting to put up full episodes now over there. So you'll have a video as well as the audio. You can check that out, at NetFansYouKnow. Uh, every Monday, I do a live stream with Spen Harris. We just had Anthony Puccio on, and we're going to have a big guest coming in another couple of weeks. Check us out every Monday for that. Have a great day. Have a great night. If you're eating lunch, enjoy your lunch. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, let's go Nets. Route. President Henry decided to join the Cam Thomas interview. Hey Cam, are you aware of the fact that he said that when he came back to Brooklyn, he had to bring the good look because you guys were lacking that? I, I seen it, but I was like, man, he's just talking for the last. We already had good looking dudes, no. Home.